Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rambling Viking Podcast. Today's episode is an NBA episode, meaning we are going to talk anything and everything NBA. Specifically, I have created a document that I had uh, come up with on the spot in the middle of my last NBA and initial NBA episode this season. Um, and we'll, we'll dive into that and many more things, talk about some news and, um, we're just barely into the season, but we've already got some interesting storylines and talk a little bit more about that. So first and foremost, I do want to jump into, I do want to jump into some, uh, the, e- an email. Um, I, I had discussed, uh, the NBA China thing as well in my last episode. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit more about that. Um, and while well, I received an email from, we'll go back into that because, uh, my boy Connor, who, uh, frequent emailer and listener, always appreciated, um, making this more of a conversation. He, he leads it off. Um, if you, if you didn't hear me talk about NBA in China, go back and listen to it. Basically the recap is all this nonsense is happening. And then now the NBA is being criticized for kowtowing to, uh, China because they're afraid of losing business, which is asinine in the situation because this dollars and cents is, this is the situation in Hong Kong is so much more than that. Uh, he, so Connor emailed in, uh, saying for one, uh, he is just tired of the whole thing, which I completely agree with, which now with games actually starting, it's, we've seen it kind of blow over a little bit. So I'm not seeing too much of that come back into play. Um, he said probably it's probably due to his selfish American views of just not caring much about China. Um, but I, he does understand the, how, why the NBA is scared because giant market. Uh, he says that Maury perhaps has the worst timing in the history of timing. I absolutely agree. It almost makes me feel like it's not even an accident. Like he wasn't even like it had to be, oh, we're going to China. Oh, yeah, there's this thing in Hong Kong going on. And so he's in just in a Twitter rabbit hole and he's like, yeah, let's talk about that. And then boom, shakalaka, bombshell dropped. Um, if he waits a week. This is still a story, but it's much smaller of a deal. Yes, I would agree. Um, the, the firestorm that ensued probably would have been a lot less. Um, I still think it would have been, you still would have seen China possibly pulling uh, pulling out of certain sponsorships and things like that and taking certain recourse, but definitely, given given the context, it, it was way worse. Um says that Silver did well by not forcing the Rockets to fire Maury. I agree. Um, he says that if it was any other random company that wasn't so public, China might not care, um, but NBA is so internationally recognized and out front. And he says China's pissed what, because, well, no one likes being called on their shit, and especially domineering co- <laughs> communist dictatorships. Yeah. Uh straight up. Um they don't like they don't like uh, criticism. <laughs> then I, I like this part. He says anyhow LeBron is way too much money to not have a media strategist to walk him through how to explain his thoughts to the press. Absolutely 100%. Dude was just flying off the cuff there which when you're in his position in my position when you're a podcast of like six listeners 
on a good day, I can really get away with saying most things. I can fly off the handle, just go off the cuff, and be fine. Really. Seriously. Be totally fine. But LeBron, come on, dude. With all these cameras and mics in your face, um, and that's, I mean, that was Connor, that looks like that was Connor sentiment. His statement really fell off, off the top of the head. Um, and he says there was just enough time to get his words straight, so it wasn't necessary. Um, and and you, he had to know everyone everywhere would want to know his thoughts. I completely agree with that statement. The real question is, what does China do going forward? That's a great question. Because on one hand, they've got a, they're usually pretty good about sticking to their guns. Um, he says, do they just move on and continue showing games? Well, as we found out early in the season, they're still not airing games. Or do they shut it down and seclude themselves like they're prone to do? I'm leaning more towards the shut it down and seclude themselves. However, with how big basketball, specifically the NBA, has become in China, mm, I don't know. You might see a little pushback. You might not, though. They have a pretty tight grip on things around there. Um, China is its own thing. It's just a fun reminder that non-Chinese companies shouldn't ever put all their bread in the China basket. If your profits are dependent on China, good luck. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, general rule of thumb is you never put all your eggs in one basket. thing about China is those eggs that you get from that basket are pretty big. But, uh, yeah, that's just a little note on the China situation. And now being a couple weeks removed from that, we're seeing seeing it kind of blow over, at least least from the American standpoint. Hong Kong stuff is still going on. And the only note I saw is they're continuing not to air games. So basically the Chinese audience is non-existent. And um, like I stated beforehand, I think NBA will probably just pivot and try and maybe shift their efforts. I know, I know they're growing in uh, India right now. That's been, there's been a huge surge in the uh, India audience. So I could see them easily just kind of shifting those assets and focusing more on India and just being like, well, we're just going to cut our losses here and move on, which I think is the best standpoint to take. So we're a little over a week into the season. Let's see where things lie right now. Let's just talk a little bit about that. Um, We can talk about some, yeah, we can talk about how teams are panning out. So right now, Philadelphia is the only undefeated team in the East. Uh, San Antonio is the only undefeated team in the West. They are the two only undefeated teams. San Antonio has only played three games. Um, Looks like just about everyone else has played at least four, uh, some even five. Um, We have two goose egg teams, the Pelicans and the Kings, are both 0-4, 0-5. Nobody is goose egged in the East. Um, Right now we have... The top eight teams in the East are over 500. Everyone else is below. And then you have the top 10 teams in the West over 500. Um, and ironically, Golden State is not one of those. They are one in three. I say ironically. It's like I'm not super surprised by that. And on the, on the note of them, I mean, they're they're going through their own struggles right now with their team imploded. Clay's going to miss the entire season. And... As of um, me recording this, it was just last night that Steph broke his left hand. So there goes the squad. Uh, Dynasty, definitely done because they don't have the firepower on the front end to cover up the lack of depth on the back end with a scrub bench, and now that's being exploited. They got blown out by Phoenix 
Phoenix set a franchise record for most uh, biggest deficit and most biggest deficit at the end of the first quarter. Uh, pretty impressive on their part. So uh, there's, there's one interesting storyline there. Um, obviously, this is still super early, so the top eight teams really don't matter. It could totally flip-flop. Uh, I do think the Warriors will still have a good season. I think overall they could still make playoffs. Um, the West is stacked, though, as we go into the duo era, and it will be it will be fun to see how it uh, pans out. Uh, right now, other storylines we have. I mean, uh, Trey Young is having uh, himself a time in Atlanta. Second year man, really showing out, looking good. Toronto seems uh, Pascal Siakam is earning that contract that he just got. Uh, that man, that man is balling. Um, we had our first brawl of the season one weekend. Cat and Joel, and when I say brawl, it's not like really brawls nowadays are just like little minor scuffles, and they maybe get tangled up or or, or they shove each other once. Punches were flying, and Cat ended up in a chokehold on the ground in the midst of a pile, and Ben Simmons um, was giving him the chokehold. Don't know what led to it, but it's in it is wild. It was insane. If you haven't seen the video, go check it out. Uh, obviously on Twitter, it's all over the place. And then as of recording, they just announced that they're both suspended two games, but there's been no fine or suspension for Ben Simmons, which is interesting because there's clear video evidence of him having Cat in like a chokehold. Like he full-on, arm, he was on top of his back. I'm talking like arm, and he was squeezing. Um, so things got wild there. <laughs> Kind of crazy, but a lot of fun. Oh, here's another interesting observation. Only two teams are averaging under 100 points. The Kings, who are 0-5, and the Magic, who are actually 2-2 right now. They're averaging 95. And then, but obviously, the Magic is also the only other team allowing under 100 points, at least in the East. Yeah, and then in the West you have the Jazz and the Lakers allowing just under a hundred points. So, uh, I mean that's typical in NBA fashion. Nothing really too surprising about there. Um, other storylines that we've had though is uh, seen seen the Rockets. Uh, James Harden has had a couple big games. Just had like fifty nine points the other night. Um, kind of crazy, but that duo is taken off. And of course, there's 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 they're trying to obviously push storylines, start creating narratives, and so you have the instance of him and Russ, um, what I would say, talking on the sideline, but most people would say they're, they're going at each other, but it's like if you've ever hung around my family, um, a casual conversation between two members of my family um, being observed by members not of my family would look like two normal people screaming in each other's face but not reacting, but look, but acting totally normal, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just nodding your head, and okay, okay, and then screaming right back at him. Um, that's per my wife, uh, the first time she witnessed my sister and I have a conversation. She was like, they were both just screaming at each other, but the, the other one was just standing there with, like, an understanding face, just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and they would scream right back. It was so weird. <laughs> I was like, screaming, I was like, we were just talking, but, yeah, there's that. Um... Man, so it's already it's already been pretty exciting. Uh, I know I saw Giannis already airballed two free throws in a row. Uh, so interesting. Thought he was working on his shooting. That shooting of all should be mm, the easiest. We've got the fun duo in Dallas. Uh, I'm really excited to see the Lakers three and one, cool doing their thing. Whatevs. 
Nobody really cares. Yeah, outside of that, just a, I think we had like a double, a double, triple overtime game in Memphis, and that was had a buzzer beater, so that's pretty exciting. Oh, this is the other narrative that was semi-fabricated, and I would love to know your thoughts on, but uh, and I'm not surprised at it by at all. Is the Kyrie Irving situation? Uh, well, I say situation, put that in quotations, where they said he. <laughs> He has mood swings. Of course, the Nets come out publicly denying that this is any sort of leaked factual information. Um, But to that, I would say, even if it's not based on something like totally concrete, like a member of the Nets organization said this and then it got leaked, that's just a statement of fact that we've seen over the past mm, four years. Kyrie gets moody. Kyrie also apparently believes the earth is flat. Um, this is why I've kind of moved out of Kyrie's like camp in terms of I would want him on my team. Uh, I would prefer him not on my team. Yeah, he's a baller, puts up big numbers on the court, but the man can wreck a locker room. Um, mainly, and it's all like self-inflicted too. It's kind of wild <laughs> what he what he's capable of and what he has done. I mean, shoot, winning a championship in Cleveland and being like, I want out. I hate this place. It's like, ooh. Uh, you don't deal well with not being number one fiddle. And then Boston, whatever happened there, um, just got apathetic, I guess. I don't know. I feel like he he doesn't really know what he wants all the time. He's supposedly in Brooklyn with KD and things are cool. Um, yeah, but we'll just see. I mean, he's always – there's always going to be something happening around there. I think that's one of those, though, where it's like the media is trying too hard. Like, you, yo, you guys can chill out. It's the NBA. It's going to have its storylines. Just look at what I've already mentioned. Um, and <laughs> with Steph breaking his hand, et cetera, et cetera, it's like the storylines get created. You guys don't have to try and push anything. Just sit back, let the NBA do its thing, and then wait for the stories to come to the surface. Cream will rise to the top. You know what I'm saying? Um, on the note, because ugh, I hate to be this guy right now, but I do just need to talk a little bit about the Warriors. And mainly just talking about, first of all, their first win, they lost their minds like they won the championship, which I'm all for celebrating, but there's definitely something about, like, like Steph was, like, jumping all over D'Lo, and I'm like, what are you, okay, cool, and the next, and then two nights later, they get blown out by Phoenix, Ugh. who's 3-2 and two right now, um, doing pretty good, I guess, point differential is almost 10 points. Yeah, they, they, they might be a sleeper team this year, but my way too early prediction for the Warriors is they're, um, they're going to be no higher than a five seed um, if they make the playoffs. They will be a six or eight seed, six, one of those spots, six, seven, or eight. Um, but I could realistically see them. Let's see. Let's look at this. So the Spurs are in, Utah's in, Lakers are in, Mavs are in, Rockets, Denver. Um, so there's five, oh, four, there's uh, six right there. So I have two more teams. I think uh, the Clippers are obviously in, and then I would say Portland, Golden State. So Golden State could possibly see them miss the playoffs. Realistically, part of me, sure, sure, part of me wants to see that, but it's just like uh, every non-Patriot fan in the NFL wanting to see the Patriots not in the Super Bowl. Same sort of thing. Uh, tired of Golden State getting there, and I think uh, that dynasty has now come to an end. And the weird thing is, is I'm is I'm, 
I, I feel almost like they're headed towards the direction of extreme mediocrity. They had Clay Thompson, it might be a little bit of a different story because but even then they don't have the the difference between pre KD and now post KD, if you take into account outside of those three, Draymond, Clay, and Steph, is the support roles that you have. You don't have your Iggy. You don't have your Sean Livingston. You don't have. They had several veteran guys that were kind of key players that you can have this combination of some veterans that were proved, and then some some young guys that were energetic and could shoot, do some things, kind of be scrappy, and and fill in where need be. Um, now it's just the latter. You don't have any of the former. You don't have any of those really veteran guys anymore. So um, just going to be interesting to see kind of their fall from grace. I mean, so it's inevitable that every team, I mean, me being a Thunder fan, um, we were project we're projected at, I don't know what, freaking 30 wins or something, not even 30 wins. And it's pretty interesting, but it's very realistic. They're one and four right now. The only team we have beat are the Warriors. So I don't know, but been competitive though. Our point differential is only 0.8. Been competitive. Just haven't been able to finish out a couple games. And obvi- and we all knew that was going to be the issue when you don't have that dude anymore. But still figuring things out. So I'm going to give it time. I'm not going to panic like most people are like, oh my gosh, we're not going to do anything good. It's like, yeah, y'all can chill out. Mm. You'll be all right. Yeah, so... Let's just jump into this document that I've made. Last podcast, if you listened, the last NBA podcast, I had said, hey, I was looking at the Vegas predictions, and I was like, man, I wonder how the predictions match up to the actuals over the last five years. I wonder if I can go grab that data. So I actually made an Excel sheet, and of course, last year's was easy to find. And unfortunately, for the standard that I had, because I was going working on Vegas odds, I was only able to get the last three years. Um, yeah, there were their, like, Bleacher Report and these other places had their predictions for the wins for, like, 15, 16, and 14, 15. But it's not based on the Vegas odds, and I actually had to go back and correct one of those, uh, one of the ones I did get, because I, w- I realized it went off Bleacher, and then I, and I realized they weren't pulling Vegas, so I had to go get the Vegas ones. Um, cause they were, there were a couple that were slightly different by and large. They, I mean, they were the same, but wanted to see, you know, what the differential was, how, where they were wrong. Um, the average differential, um, how many over under how many, I would say it's even. So I actually ended up putting this together. I was pleasantly surprised that, uh, I was actually able to do this. Nobody, nobody of course had this stat, but um, cause I, you worked off the Vegas odds and I gave my predictions of it would be over or under that number for each team. And then I, I was like, Hmm, this is an interesting idea. So that's, uh, how we're going to finish, finish the show out today is talking a little bit about this. So I've gotten the last three years, uh, 2018, 19, 2017, 18, and then 16, 17. Um, I have the predicted win totals according to Vegas. Um, now on that note, I have that, I have the actuals, and then I have the plus or minus, so the differential, and then I have the average differential. I have how many, how many of the predictions were over or under, or how many teams were over or under their predicted amount, and then how many were uh, what I would consider even, which means they were only 
a half um, a half a win off because if you are familiar with the, the Vegas predictions, everything's a half. It's twenty three and a half games, twenty five and a half games. You obviously can't win a half game. So for the sake of ease and using Excel formulas, I I rounded uh, basically I rounded those up. So I rounded from the half. So if it was twenty three and a half, the predicted that I have on this sheet is 24 because I just wanted to have even numbers because you can't give a half win. It was making things weird um, and a little bit complicated. <clears throat> so um, that's what you'll see in this a little bit, which means when what I would consider basically a push or an even, is if you want to call it that, is if normally if it's 23 and a half and say they get 20, the team gets 22 wins or they get 24 wins, that is what I would consider a push. Basically, because you're a half, a, you're within a half a win, and obviously they're not going to get, they can't get right on the mark with a half a win because it's not a thing. So, if you're within, if you're within point five half a win, then it's considered a push. So here, basically, if it's a zero or a negative one, except maybe on my first column because I did the formulas slightly different. If it's a zero or a negative one, it is considered a push. Um, and it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, last year, there was a bit of a jump. Uh, There's a lot of variability. I think um, the predictions, ooh, tough betting year, unless you were betting on some underdogs and surprising things there. So now, I, I've, of course, my mind being everyone enjoys some good statistics. I was looking at this, and I was like, man, I could even break it down team by team over the last three years, see what their um, average – you can see how their predicted change. You can see um, how their average uh, differential for each team. I could look at their uh, the the teams uh, each team's win total, um, each team's predicted win total. Yada yada. yada you know, I, there's a real rabbit hole I can go down. So for now, I just want to keep it simple. If I build on it, I'll obviously um, add to that to future episodes. But I mean, let's just go ahead and jump straight into it. And, I, and I've highlighted the. The low number, low and uh, lows and highs in terms of who had the most wins that year, who had the least wins that year, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll just uh, work starting with last year, 1819. Uh, looking at the prediction, predicted versus the actual, a lot of variability. Your average. Um, and this is just this is an absolute. So this um, because the negatives gets crazy. But your average differential is seven and a half games, meaning Vegas's predictions on average last year were seven and a half games off on any given game. This one by far has the most. Just eyeballing it, it has the most um, ten plus. It has the most uh, predictions that were ten plus wins off. I mean, I could probably count that up really quick, honestly. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. We have twelve ten plus. Um, wow, that is a lot. That's almost half. But twelve ten plus, where the other years you're looking at like a hand, you're looking at four to five. You know, shoot, uh, 17, 18, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yeah, exactly. You're looking at 5, um, which is kind of wild. 
I guess I wasn't going to do this stat. We're going to do this stat. And then 16, 17, 1, 2. Is that really it? 2? Wow, 2. So we've seen... So the trend is basically, according to the last three years, which is a an anecdotal. It's not a, this is not statistically significant. If I get the last five years, I could it would be a lot more interesting. But I just can't find the predictions. I haven't looked super hard. If I do, I fill it in, and we can look at it on a bigger scale there. But I figured three was actually pretty good for now. Um, it's trending that Vegas, uh, at least according to the last three years, going back three years and to now has been struggling. They've gotten worse. And uh, I w- what I would attribute that to is you have younger players that become developed and you're having more parity in the league. Because if you look back to like the 15, 16, 16, 17, that's when like the 15, 16 was the 73 win year. So you want to talk about some lot. that So in that same year, when you have someone win that many games, that's when Philadelphia only won 10 games. So you're obviously going from less parity to more parity, which means there's going to be more variability. Um, so it makes sense. It makes sense. It's not like a knock on Vegas or anything. It's like when you have more parity, it's harder to be more accurate. Um, I remember I was talking to some friends, and I was like, how, you know, how accurate do you think they are? And they said, oh, I, I bet most of them would be within a game or two. Mm, kind of. Maybe three years ago, yeah. Uh, but last year and two years ago, mm, not so much. Um, so since we're going to talk, talk average variability since we're, since that's what I'm on. So like I said, last year, average uh, differential was seven and a half in 17, 18, your average differential in predicted versus actuals is 5.8. And then 16, 17, it was 3.9. Um, and I'd imagine if you go back to 15, 16, 14, 15, it would be about that as well. So what that's indicative of is overall a good thing because I think it's parity and it's more, uh, it's less predict- predictability in the sense of like, oh, it's going to be the Warriors and the Cavs and the chip. Um, you know, there's, it's kind of up for grabs this year, and that's super exciting. Like, for instance, where's the Cavs? Speaking of, yeah, 57, 51, 50, and then 19. <laughs> yep, you can tell when LeBron left. That's wild. Um, so that, that's your average differential. Um, looking at these, this last year we had 12, 10 plus differentials. Uh, the year before, 17, 18, you had five, and then 16, 17, you only had two. So they were pretty darn accurate. Um, so looking at, then looking at the evens. So these would be, these would be, um, if it's a, on my chart, basically it's if you're within that half game margin. So either a negative one or a zero on this. Last year, they only had one even, meaning meaning basically only one prediction was a push. Only one prediction was spot on, if you will. Um, in 17, two years ago, two seasons ago, uh, they had four. And then three years ago, they had six. So the trend continues. Um, this is another interesting thing. Your over versus your unders. So was the prediction your, here when I say over, the prediction was over. They predict they overestimated th- their wins, meaning their wins were less than anticipated. The under means it was a it was a it was a surprise. They were a sleeper basically. They outdid their prediction. 
which maybe it should be the other way, but when I was going about it doing it, this is how it worked out. So it's an easy, it's an easy flip, but basically uh, I'm working off based off the prediction. Was the prediction high or was the prediction low? So this last season, uh, 16 of the predictions were high. And like I said, they had 12 that were 10 plus now. And it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, half of those, half of those were overestimations. Just to give you some context, they thought Cleveland would win 31 games. They won 19. Uh, they thought the Lakers would win 49 games last year. Yeah, that was the overhypeness with LeBron. LeBron effect. Um, and they imploded. The Pelicans, they thought they'd be a lot better. Uh, the Knicks, they thought they'd get 30. <laughs> That's a joke. They were actually last in the league with 17. And then Phoenix, they thought they'd get 29. So they were pretty optimistic. Um, it looks like they were kind of hoping for some more parity. <clears throat> So your overs were 16, you had 16 predictions, high predictions, and you had 13 low predictions, and then one uh, that was spot on. The one that was spot on, let's see, where art thou? Indiana. They predicted 48 wins, and they got 48 wins. How about that? That's pretty cool when you think about it. Like that's that's I think that's pretty darn neat to be able to be like they're gonna get forty eight wins and they get forty eight wins like ooh that's pretty neat. Um, so your major upsets, your worst prediction was Milwaukee. They were predicted only at forty seven. The Lakers were predicted to win two more games than Milwaukee. Milwaukee won. They were predicted to win forty seven. They won sixty. It's a differential of fourteen. The Lakers were predicted to win 49 games. Gosh, they really, they really believed in that team. I mean, everyone kind of did. I was skeptical because I was like, look, you put LeBron with a bunch of random young bloods. Like, the, the West is way too competitive for that to fly. Um, ooh, and then the largest under-predicted team was actually, oh wait, no, 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 the largest over-predicted team. Oh, I'm sorry, there's a tie there, there's a tie, I misspoke. There's a tie for the largest under-predicted team. Um, Sacramento was only predicted to win 26 games, and they won 39. So it's actually 25 and a half, so they won 39, so it, it, it both comes out to 14. That's why the math is that way, uh, fight me. I get it's oh it's only thirteen man, but working off half game, so it's whatever. So we just round up, it's fine. Anyways, thirteen, fourteen, still, it's still pretty awesome. Uh, so that's our that's our best um, under prediction. So our underrated teams, our most overrated team. Did I already mention them at the? Uh, was it the Lakers? Nope. So let's see, most overrated team. We got a couple. So there's there's two. Three. It's a three-way tie. Now, one of these, I would say, isn't. To- I wouldn't totally blame them. So you have Washington. Um, they were predicted to win 45 games. You had the whole thing with John Wall getting injured, who's still out this season. So they only won 32. They're imploding a little bit. Then you have the Knicks and the Pelicans. 
So it's the Wizards, the Knicks, and the Pelicans. That's your three-way tie. Um, New Orleans, it's a differential of 13. Um, New Orleans was predicted at 46 wins. They only got 33. The Knicks were predicted at 30. They only got 17. They also were at the bottom of the league with 17. Um, Washington predicted at 45, only at 32. So tough year. Um, and as I'm sitting here talking, I'm, I can even see the opportunity. My wheels are spinning. This is where I go into a serious rabbit hole. Wheels are spinning. I'm like, man, how many, how many 50-plus win teams did we have? How many this, that, that? I mean, some of those, though, you can find anyways. But I could break it down by, um, by sets. So it would be you know, your, your 0 to 10, your 10 to 20, 20 to 30. That would be kind of fun. But, so that was last year. That was last year in a nutshell. Uh, lots of parody, um, lots of wrong predictions. I don't know why they gave Cleveland. So do they think Kevin Love was going to win that much? You lost LeBron, dude. You're out. You don't have anything besides LeBron. You didn't have anything besides LeBron. Ugh. But it's cool to see the ones that were close. Um, since I am a fan, um, look at OKC. Theirs was only a, they were predicted 51, which means it was 50 and a half, and they won uh, 49. So pretty spot on there. They, was, they, were only, um, they were only overestimated by a game and a half, really. But it's two since we're using home numbers. All right, let's move on to 17-18. They were, um, so... I'm gonna play with. I'm gonna play with how to do this here. Top team that's uh, two years ago was Houston, 65 wins. Um, they were they were they were way over their prediction at, of 56. So nine game differential there, feeling good. Bottom of the league was Phoenix at 21. They underperformed their prediction of 29. So let's look at the macro stats real quick. After we've since we've established those, the uh, average differential five point eight, a little bit less, uh, almost two less um, than this past season. So we've already talked about the trends. Not going to get into that. Uh, they had five ten plus um, ten plus differentials, meaning the differential was ten ten wins or more. I don't um uh, I don't care to see how many were negative, how many were positive. They had four spot on predictions or even predictions, push predictions, whatever you want to call them. Four of those and those teams they were you had Brooklyn, they were predicted at uh it would technically twenty eight and a half, and they got twenty eight wins. So good job to them. You have Denver spot on, well, 45 and a half, and they got 46 wins. Detroit, 39 and, or 38 and a half, and they got 39 wins. Then you have Miami, predicted at 43 and a half, and they got 44 wins. So those were spot on. Then um, a little bit more of a spread here. You have you had more even, so that's going to take from the total pool. But last year it was 16 to 13 over overrated to underrated um, ratio. Two years ago, it was a seventeen to nine overrated to underrated ratio. So you, they were really optimistic on some teams, and um, 
those teams did not perform. Uh, like I said, you didn't have as many 10 plus, so there wasn't as many wild differentials, but I mean, a lot of these honestly are two, three, four. So it's not giant spreads here. Like, I mean, the Lakers, they were predicted at 34 or 33 and a half. They won 35. So it's a game and a half. You know, it's not a big deal there. You had, you had several of those. And you, you like Boston was predicted 57. They got 55. You know, Atlanta was 26. They got 24. Not, not huge there. But the biggest differential that we see, so it looks like it's a tie. And it's funny because one, one is an over prediction, one's an under prediction. Mm, let's start with the over prediction. Memphis, oh man, that's rough. Uh, it's a it's a sixteen differential. One's a one's a positive sixteen. One's a negative sixteen. This one's a negative sixteen differential. They were predicted, and this is two years ago, predicted at thirty eight wins, and they only got twenty two. Woof. Now this year they're trending up, or from that year to this year, it was a huge drop off from the year before at forty three. So. Um, way larger than anyone saw coming now on the positive side of that indiana is the is the sleeper is a cinderella story here they were only given 32 wins and they caught a whopping 48 Ooh, it's good 31 and a half and they caught 48 um like i said i'm using round numbers so if uh but i'll try and say that when i can Anywho, uh, this is this is a fun little stat too. The Golden State was predicted at sixty eight because the year before they had sixty seven, and then the year before that was seventy three wins. So naturally, yeah. And but Houston took the helm that season, and um, Golden State only got fifty eight wins, and Houston got sixty five. It's funny because. I listed them alphabetically, so they're right next to each other. So it's literally a flip flop. You could flip flop them, and it would be close. Um, Golden State was predicted at 68, they only got 58. Houston was only predicted at 56, and they got 65. So if you flipped one number or the other, either the prediction or the actual, you're only a couple games off, and that's pretty cool. But instead, boom. And so you get to see interesting interesting stuff like that. I think that covers everything for this year. I said Phoenix was at the bottom. Um, I'll do my team, obviously. OKC, once again, predicted they were predicted at 51.5, got 48 wins. Um, on my chart, they're a negative four because I round up. So 52 to f- predicted versus 48 actual. Basically just couldn't eclipse 50. Um, not a huge deal right there. Underwhelming. Uh, we get it. We get it. Blah, blah, blah. Trash talk. It's fine. All right. Um, Toronto was a surprise that year. But that's pretty much it for that one. So we'll go ahead and go back three years. This is on the heels of the 73-win season. So this is the next season right after that. Our top team that year, surprise, surprise, was Golden State. Uh, Also, interesting fact, they were one of the spot-on predictions um, at 67. Well, 66 and a half, but they got 67 wins. So, geez, only six wins less than the year before. And then bottom of the pa- bottom of the pile, Brooklyn. Um, but also that was also a spot on prediction, so that's kind of cool um, because that year they had the predictions for the top and bottom of the league were spot on. Uh, they were predicted at twenty and a half, and they got twenty wins. So bada bing, bada boom. There we go. Let's look at the macro stats now. Um, your average differential was only three point nine, so that's a two point one point drop off. It's an even bigger gap um, between from the year before 
um, which basically means there was less parity in the league. So as, as according to I'm reading it, I'm not, this isn't an official stat. This is literally just me on Excel on my computer, but I'm pulling official numbers here. Um, but if you, it would make sense. The logical thought process when you actually analyze it with any kind of knowledge at all, that's what that equates to is, okay, there's, there's a little less parity because those predictions are spot on, which means teams performed how they were expected. And obviously I remember three years ago and it was kind of clear cut who the, who the power players were because that was a super team era still. And so you're, you're going to have more consolidation of the star power in several teams than, as opposed to uh, spread up, spread out uh, among more teams. So let's look at, they only had two 10 plus differentials. Only two, as opposed to five and then 12 last year. So those differentials were Minnesota and Houston. Minnesota was overrated. They were expected to get 42 wins. They only got 31. Was that Cats? That might have been Cats first. It was his first or second season, I feel like. And then Houston basically caught fire. Well, according to their prediction, I think that was the first year that their squad was kind of fully together. They were only predicted to win 42. They won 55. So uh, it's thirteen, nice 13-win 13 difference there in what we're seeing. Um, so that's pretty cool. We have six, and then you have six evens, or you have six uh, spot-on predictions. And those, uh, as I already mentioned, two of them, but those would be Atlanta at uh, 43 and a half, and they won 43. So that's pretty cool. Um, Atlanta was still pretty good that year. Then you have Brooklyn at 20 and a half, and they won 20 games, bottom of the league. The Warriors, they predicted at 66 and a half, and they won 67. You have Memphis, who was predicted to win 43 and a half, and they won 43. Nice job, guys. Philadelphia, uh, this is this, these ones hurt. They were predicted at 27 and a half, and they won 28 games. Oof. But it's all right. They're good now, because now they've won 52 and 51 games the last two years. So it's fine. And oh, the years before that were even worse. Oh, that was that was on the year before was 10. So they over they almost tripled their wins. Oh man, that hurts just to even say. All right, and then we have uh Sacramento. They were predicted at 32 and a half, and they won 32 games. And those are those are it. I believe those are it. Uh, if I missed one, my bad. I wasn't counting as I was going. And then the most interesting part of this year, so you have six, you have six pushes basically. You're over and you're under split, if you're any good at math. Well, actually, scratch that comment because it could be lopsided. Is 500, is a split. You had 12 and 12, 12 overrated teams, 12 underrated teams. Pretty cool to see. Which is, then the next year, it totally flip flopped 17 to 9, and then past season, it was more even at 16 and 13. But you had, like I said, lots of different numbers. So the year to be betting and to being right on your bets would have been that year. Now, no holds bar. Um, you could. So looking at this, 
if you want to if you want to make some kind of predictions as far as how the predictions predictions on the predictions and what this means going forward for this year if this is indicative at all which i think it is of the the trend of the league and the predictions being able to be right you're looking at you're looking at more parity. So I think your average, I don't know if it gets much bigger than seven and a half, but this year, because you, you had a lot of movement this offseason, and you're gonna have you're gonna have some changes and some teams that are good now that aren't as good. And anytime you have some teams that go that are either going from bad to good or um, good to bad, uh, mediocre to tank, the prediction becomes wild. Like we saw, like I've seen with some of these drop-offs with with some of these certain teams. Um, I mean, shoot, for example, like with Philadelphia, they, they were 18 and 18, 10 and 10, 28, 20, or sorry, they were 18, they had 18 wins, 10 wins. This is going back five years, by the way, 28 wins, then 52 and 51. Um, that first season that they either become good or bad, the prediction is usually at least in, according to my little dinky three year long chart. Um, tends to be more off. So, and I think with all the movement that we had this off season, I think your differential, your average differential, is going to be a, over seven and a half, probably, if not right at seven and a half. Last year was pretty gnarly because the off season before you did have some movement, but I think even more so now. Um, so I think I think the differential, the average differential will be more. I think we'll see probably about the same amount of ten plus. Uh, uh, predictions, so predictions that were 10 games off or more. Um, I don't know if we'll see any that were spot on. I'm hoping for at least one. I only had one last year. Um, we'll see if we'll have any, but uh, give me your thoughts on it. Do you think, do you think it's going to be more, it's going to go back down and be more stable closer to two years ago? Or do you think it's going to continue to build based on the movement that we've seen? With the LA teams being good, the West once again being packed, but the East is also better than it has been in the last four or five years overall, I would say. You have a lot of young talent that's coming a little bit more developed. You have teams that are coming together, and you have Kyrie and KD going to the Nets. KD's obviously not there, but I think you're seeing a little bit more parity now, and which all in all makes for more excitement and more competition and things to be more exciting. So... But that's my little my little chart. Uh, hope you like it. I might post a link to it, so if you want to go look at it yourselves uh, and take what you will from it, yeah, yeah, I think I'll post a link to it. It's incomplete because, I, like I said, I couldn't get fourteen, fifteen, or fifteen, sixteen Vegas predictions. I found plenty of predictions, but for but for continuity's sake, I got I got the last three seasons. Vegas odds. So if I were to go off the Bleacher Report odds, it would basically put my the integrity of my study a little bit off. I mean, I could probably easily go find all the Bleacher Report odds for the last five years and then do those. But I, if you, look, sometimes Bleacher Report is just whack. All right, they they put out a lot of good content, but sometimes these article titles are very misleading, or it, it feels like they're writing. It feels like clickbait almost. Like they're just writing to be able to say something and trying to say something outrageous. And there's really no foundation to it, and it's just annoying. So um, I prefer to go off the official Vegas odds. Uh, so if you're listening, you're like, "Hey, I found them for fifteen, sixteen, and fourteen, fifteen. Send them my way. The Rambling Viking at gmail.com. That is the Rambling Viking at gmail.com. Let me know any of your thoughts on the current storylines going on. Um, 
your thoughts on this charge, you take a look at it, uh, any interesting insights you might have. If you think this year is going to have a, a higher or lower differential than last season, that's really that's really going to be the question I'm going to pose. Do you think it's going to be, on average, you're going to see a differential um, between the predicted and the actual of seven and a half, of greater than seven and a half or less than seven and a half? Is it going to stabilize or is it going to, or is it going to, are we going down a path of destabilization because of all the movement? Um, do you think any of the predictions will be spot on? If so, which ones? I'm, I'm not sure. Gosh, I'm not sure any of them will be. It's kind of crazy, but, uh, I just scrolled up there like I had this year's up and I don't, but Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, seriously, let me know any sort of feedback, uh, any sort of trash talk, anything and everything. Love to hear your comments. Uh, the Rambling Viking at gmail.com is the best way to get me. You can hit me on Twitter at Rambling Viking, but really the email is the best, especially for long form. So uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, guys.